0: Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh What a journey it has been. Welcome back to this series on the sciences of the Qur'an and I can remember the anticipation and the stress right at the beginning Uh, because uh, to give you an idea it would have been much easier for me to have done a tafsir of different aspects of the Qur'an similar to last year where we did a comprehensive summary it would have been easier for me to take some prominent verses, some specific verses, some specific surahs or whatever and then that would have been much easier. And But I decided that let's take this a notch higher because people don't get to discuss the various different sciences of the Quran all the time. I mean, yes, scholars uh, have to study it generally, they study it, but otherwise other people don't get to study it as often. Now I knew that I'm probably going to have less people interested in that because it's much more of an academic kind of study. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all for your interest and may Allah bless us all with that. Alhamdulillah now after discussing that, we've, we've covered quite a few topics, alhamdulillah. Allah give tawfiq, but obviously in 45 minutes uh, per topic, some topics we had to do over 2-3 days. It doesn't always exhaustively cover everything, obviously, and there's a lot more discussion. Imam Suyuti has a book of uh, what about 3,000 pages on this subject, and it's extremely detailed, extremely detailed. So, alhamdulillah, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, Allah has allowed us to reach the thirtieth day of this series. And may Allah subhanahu wa taala bless everybody and who have facilitated this and who have listened to this and everything, and may Allah be blessed and may His words be blessed as well. So, let us start off with some uh, recitation. Um, I'm going to read from the beginning of Surah to Bani Israel because of the relevance uh, of uh, what's going on right there now in Palestine, Masjid Al-Aqsa. وكان وعدا مفعولا ثم رددنا لكم الكرة عليهم وأمددناكم بأموال وبنين وجعلناكم أكثر نفيرا إن أحسنتم أحسنتم ان احسنتم احسنتم لانفسكم وان أسأتم فلها فاذا جاء وعد الاخره ليسوء وجوهكم وليدخل المسجد كما دخلوه اول مره كما دخلوه اول مره وليتبروا ما عليهم تبيرا عَسَى رَبُّكُمْ أَنْ يَرْحَمَكُمْ وَإِنْ عُدْتُمْ عُدْنَا وَجَعَلْنَا جَهَنَّمَ لِلْكَافِرِينَ حَصِيرًا صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد I've chosen two topics for today, two short short topics although they're quite lengthy, uh, but I'm just going to introduce you to, to these two topics a bit more light-hearted, not light-hearted exactly, but a bit more lighter, less academic. Um and it's all academic at the end of the day, but not as intense today. What I want to discuss first, uh, the two things I want to discuss. First is I want to discuss some of the personalities and the names that are mentioned in the Quran right um you know uh, various different people who are mentioned in the quran and uh, you will know why they mention the quran and then i want to discuss some of the very particular specific they call khawasul quran specific benefits of the quran that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised the prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has promised and then i've got a few questions left at the end to answer as well let us start off um so uh, those who've studied the Ulum Al-Quran, those who've researched Ulum Al-Quran, written books on a subject, they generally include the names of uh, not all the books but some of them include the names of the people who are mentioned in the Quran and they kind of provide a bit of details. There's actually books that are written separately on that subject. Imam Suudi has an entire book on that subject which he reckons that until his time he was first the first person to write such a comprehensive book on that subject. So anyway, I'm going to uh, I'm going to miss out the names of the prophets because most people will know about that. I'm going to start from some of the other names afterwards. So let's see. Um, there are in in the Quran. There's obviously the names of angels that are mentioned there. So you've got Jibril alayhi salam, and you've got Mika'il alayhi salam mentioned there. Generally in the Quran, the way we read it, it's Mika'il, Mika'il, and it's we read it as Jibrila, right? That is the way to say uh, the angel, salam, his name. However, there are several ways to read Jibreel, salam, to read the word Jibril because it's a foreign term, it's a foreign name rather. And um, it's interesting why the, the names of the angels were actually kept in, in Hebrew. It's a really interesting idea that is, right? N- not looked into why, but that's just something that uh, question popped into my mind right now. So Jibril can be read as Jibril and those who read the 7 qira'at they know the different versions the another way to read it is Jabril Jabril Jibril and Jabril right then the third one is Jabrail right Jabrail uh, the next one is Yel. instead of Jabra il with a a or a hamza it's a double Ya, Jabra'il, right? And then there is also Jabra'il, Jabra'il, right? Without the Alif. And there's also Jabra'il, Jabra'il with a Shadda on the lam. All of these have been recited in the different qira'at. it looks like, right? Now, if you notice in here, the most... The one of the most common ways that people generally say it, which is, Jib Ra'il, is not mentioned. So that's why in our copy of our edition, rather of Al-Hizbul a'zam because all the manuscripts had Jib that Ra'il version, we had to use that, and in that version there is no Jib Ra'il as commonly people say. So Jibrail seems to be incorrect way to say it. So the two prominent ways to say it is either Jibril as the Quran has it, and the other one is that if you want the elongated one, then it's with a fatha, with a fatha on the jim. There's no longer one with a kasra on it. So it's Jabrail, Jibra'il, Jabrail, Jabra, and Jabrail, right? Jabrail as well. So uh, that's why you'll see it in there and a lot of people sometimes they ask that, is this a mistake? It's actually not a mistake, it's actually the correct way of saying it. So if you want to say it with a Kasra, then it's Jibreel. Otherwise if you want to say Ra'il, then it has to be Jab Ra'il with a fatha. So um, that's, that's the, that name is obviously been mentioned in the Quran and Wallahu alam, according to Ibn Jinni, right, who's considered to be uh, one of the lexicographers and philologists of the Arabic language, he said this originally came from Kurial, Kurial, but in its Arabicization, it's been changed, or it's been changed because of its lengthy usage in this way. Wallahu alam. Likewise, you have Mikael and Mika'il, which is Michael. That's that's what they call it, Michael. Mika'il and Mika'il. Both of those, and there's also Mika il. There's, there's also that version as well. And no, there's actually Mika'il. Sorry, Mikal. So there's three ways of saying that Mika'il, Mika'il, and Mika'la. Actually, it's in the Quran. Mika'la is actually mentioned in the Quran as well. So I think Mika'il is, uh, yeah, Mikal is used in the Quran as well. Uh, to say it as Mika, uh, Mika'il, is only in in one of the Shadha qiraat. It's in one of the non uh, well-known qiraat, and that, because the majority have read the jamhur, the majority they've re- uh, the majority of the qaris have read it as Mika'il, Okay, but there is also in Nafi' and Abu Ja'far's Qira'a, and one of Qumbul's ways, uh, 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 one of the qaris. It's is as mikal as well. And yeah, I don't want to bore you with all the different Qiraat right now. I mean, that's not going to be helpful. Uh, but this is just so that if you do hear it in a different Qiraat, you understand that these are the various ways of saying it. Because remember, the original word is from Hebrew. It's been transferred into Arabic. So there could be differences in the way that's being said. Now, what does it mean? These words, Jibreel, Mikael, etc. So according to Ibn Jarir, who's related this from Ikrimah from Ibn Abbas, when he says, Jibrilu Abdullah, Wa Mikael Ubaydullah. Jibreel is Abdullah, the servant of Allah, and Mikael is the smaller servant, the younger servant, the smaller servant of Allah. In fact, then he says, Any name in which the eel comes, then that is something that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with, meaning is to show the one who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just, just like we say, Abdullah, Abdul Jabbar, and, and so on and so forth. So it's... It's in that direction, that's what he means. He means the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, that's why Abdullah ibn al-Harith, he says that Il is the, the name for Allah in in Hebrew. Right? Uh, uh, there's another opinion regarding Jibril that it means Khadimullah, the servant of Allah, which he is obviously, he's a messenger of Allah, servant of Allah. Okay, let's move on. Harut and Marut. Many of you will have come across that in Surah Al Baqarah. These were the two angels, specific angels, right? Then you will, there's the Surah Al Ra'd, is mentioned. Ra'd is, there's a hadith which Imam Tirmidhi has related, right, from Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu. That the Yahud, they asked the Prophet, tell us about this Ra'd. So the Prophet said, Malakum min al Malaika muwakkalun bis sahab. It's one of the angels. He is one of the angels who is responsible for the clouds. And according to Ibn Abi Hatim from Ikrimah he is related, that يسبح, the Ra'd angel is an angel who glorifies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah says that in the Quran, in Surah Al-Ra'd verse 13, بحمده, and the Ra'd angel glorifies Allah with his praise. Then we have al Barq. يَكَادُ الْبَرْقُ Yahtafu أَبْصَارَهُمْ Which we generally refer to as, uh, both of these are referred to as lightning and thunder, right, that's where this comes, the discussion comes there. But Barq can also, he says that Barq is also an angel, according to Ibn Abi Hatim, Barq is also an angel. And um, yeah, there's uh, lots of other discussion there, which I'm not going to do. Then you have the concept of Malik discovered in the Quran. That that discussed in the Quran, that's quite clear. He's the the guardian of hellfire. Then you have Sijil. lilil kutub. Sijil, right? According to uh, Ibn Abi Hatim's transmission, the Sijil is also an angel, and Harut and Marut were of. His assistance. Now, this is all in the case where these words they could actually mean a literal meaning, a verb, or something like that. But in the case where they're taken as names, I'm just describing in that sense for you. Right? That's why Ibn Umar also said a Sijilu Malakun is an angel. Uh, and Sijil, according to suddi is the angel that is responsible for the record, uh, the book of deeds. Thereafter, that you have. Qa'id, Qa'id, right? This apparently is the name of the one who writes the evil deeds of a person, right? So Qa'id is the one that writes the names of the. Yeah, the so this is in Surah qaf You have this. Um, so there's at least eleven or twelve angels that are mentioned in the Quran. Yawma ruhu wal in Surah Naba, verse thirty-eight. Uh, ruh is obviously this is one of the greatest of the angels. I think some have even said that this refers to Jibreel السلام, but this is Malakun min a'zami min khalqan. This is the angel from the greatest of the angels in terms of size. Uh, uh, th- th- that's what they've said. Then there's one other word in the, use, uh, in the Quran which according to some is also an angel. But as I said, this will be a good example for you to understand that we generally take it in the meaning it's literal meaning. <laughs> Surah Al-Fatih, verse 4, right? Sakina. And in Sakina, the word is used about five or six times in the Quran. Sakina, they're saying it's also a, an angel who comes to comfort the hearts of the believers and to to comfort them. That's what this angel is. Right. In terms of Sahaba, the only Sahabi I think who is mentioned by name in the Quran, this is almost like a trivia, I'm telling you, right? You know, the only Sahabi who is actually mentioned by name in the Quran is Zayd ibn Haritha. فلما زيد منها زوجناكها. I don't think there's any. There's other Sahaba who are referenced there, numerous Sahaba referenced there, uh, but not with name. Thereafter, that we've got some other names so let's look at some of the earlier names there's Imran, Abu Maryam, yes, the father of Maryam is Imran then we've got her brother whose name was Harun there's Harun who's the brother of Musa A.S. there's also the Harun, the brother of Maryam who is considered to be a separate, separate Harun right? then you've got uh, Uzayr is mentioned in there, Ezra then there's Tubba' Kaumu Tubba' Tubba' are essentially um, generally, that the, this this uh, according to Imam Hakim's narration, he was a righteous person of the past. Then, of course, you've got Lukman Ali Salam, who's mentioned there. Who, according to some minority views, he was a prophet, but according to the majority, he was not a prophet. He was a very very righteous man. That's why there's a hadith related by Ibn Abi Hatim who says, Kana Luqman abdan habashiyan najjaran." Uh, Lukman, uh, radiyallahu anhu, uh, was A servant of Allah, he was Abyssinian and he was a Najjar, which means he was a carpenter. Then Yusuf. Now of course we've got Yusuf alayhi salam's story. That's the Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. However, in Surah al Ghafir, there's a mention of there's a mention of Yusuf there as well. I forget what I forget the verse right now, but in Surah al Ghafir the Yusuf mentioned there is supposedly somebody else. That he is Yusuf ibn Ifraim. Ibn Yusuf ibn Ya'qub is a grandson of Yusuf. Salam, right Thereafter that, there is also a Ya'qub that's mentioned in Surah Maryam, at the beginning of Surah Maryam. And that one also seems to be, uh, this is Ya'qub ibn Mathan, as opposed to Ya'qub ibn Ishaq, according to another opinion. Allah knows best. But these are not necessarily very strong opinions, right, at all. Thereafter that, in Surah to Maryam, it says, "Inni a'udhu minka in Actually, you know, um, we, we don't have, I just mentioned the famous ones to you. Right, now, uh, women's names in the Qur'an. There is only one woman named in the Qur'an by name. Okay? And that is Maryam a.s. Nobody else has been mentioned by name. Yes, many other women have been referenced, like the wives of Nuh a.s., Lut a.s., the wife of Pharaoh. Right, whose name was uh, Zuleikha and Asya. Sorry, Asya. Yeah, Asya, and um, several others that are mentioned there, but no others mention his name. And there's a number of narrations about why no women were mentioned by name. Is because traditionally speaking, I think it's changed now. Right, in many cultures this change, even in many Muslim cultures. But before, and it's still like that in some Muslim cultures. Right, in like in the subcontinent, some cultures it's still like that and in some arab cultures it's still like that and this was the culture that any free woman were considered to be dignified and you did not take their name right you did not take their name it would actually be seen as disrespectful to take the name of a, a, a you know somebody's wife or their, their name they would they would actually say words like ahl my my family uh, you know or the mother of so and so something like that that's still a big tradition in the in the arab world right uh, where they still use ummu hudayfa and ummu maryam and and Maryam and all the rest of it, but the reason then Maryam name was mentioned is because the the uh, I think the Yahud had slandered her, right about certain things about who she was and what. So that's why the Quran had to clearly state that she was pure, that she is the Batul, she is absolutely chaste, and she's pure and she did not commit zina and everything else. So that's why it was important to mention her by name to just clear the record. That's why the ulama mentioned that only Maryam A.S. Otherwise, Shu'i B.S.'s daughters, their names are not mentioned, right? And and all the others are not mentioned either. Nowadays, obviously, um, in the time of Facebook and Twitter, um, not only names are mentioned, but there's a lot more that uh, goes out there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect and provide us all chastity. right? Now, what does Maryam mean? So Maryam is a hebrew word it means khadim according to uh, this is according to yeah according to uh, imam suyuti maryam refers to khadim servant right that's what it means and there are also other meanings that are mentioned as well there is one other opinion that where uh, in surah safat verse 125 where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala atad'una ba'lan wa do you call out to Baal? Baal is the name of the idol, right? That they used to call out to So Allah. is saying, do you call out and you, you miss out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So that, re, that idol represented a woman according to one opinion, right? So if that's the case, then that's the only other name of a woman mentioned there, right? Otherwise, there's, uh, there's only Maryam A.S. mentioned there. Thereafter, like, in terms of disbelieving people's names, you have uh, people like Karun. Right, who was actually the cousin brother of Musa, a.s. he was his paternal uncle, his dad's brother's son, or something like that, according to Ibn, Ibn Abbas. A. Then, of course, you've got Jalut. Right now, Jalut is Goliath, Dawood killed him, he's the big giant. Then you have Haman, Haman was the wazir of Pharaoh who used to do all of his dirty work for him as a bad. It was, and you know, sometimes if you if it's your if it's a minister. Now, generally ministers, they're under your command. So, you know, you generally don't blame them. But in this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala singles him out by name, Pharaoh and Haman. Because he was evil in himself and he used to give a lot of bad ideas to Pharaoh himself as well. In fact, it, it seems like sometimes Pharaoh, uh, you know, seems to be like uh, trying to get a bit positive and Haman seems to cause him, you know, take him back. Um, yeah, uh, in Surah Yusuf, it says, "Ya Bushra, hādā Right. Oh, Bushra. So according to some, that means something else. It doesn't necessarily mean just glad tidings. It could be the name of an idol or something like that, according to some. Then, of course, you have Azar who's mentioned. Right. Azar. He was the said to be the father of Ibrahim. They say that his name was Tarah, Tarah. And Azar was actually his title. Right. That's why Ibn uh, Ibn Abbas uh, has, uh, from from Ibn Abbas, it's been mentioned that the father of Ibrahim, his name was actually not Azar, his name was actually Tarah. There is another opinion, uh, there is also another opinion that uh, Azar was somebody else completely, he was not his father at all. Then there's another verse in Innaman nasi'u ziyadatan fil kufr they say nasi which generally we talk about postponement of months and changing the months and everything right which was a jahili practice that they used to do but according to one opinion nasi is actually the name of a person as well right from the banu kinana who used to do this the first time round who was the first one or who used to change muharram and safar around to be able to take the booty of people and things like that that's why He was, uh, that's why that whole practice became as nasi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, let us move into names of jinn, right? I thought some of you will find this kind of useful, right? So as I said, the scholars have discussed all of these things in great detail. So the father of the jinn is mentioned in the Quran. And the father of the jinn is Iblis. And Iblis is actually his title. So his real name apparently was Azazil. Azazil, that's again a Hebrew name. Ibn Abi Hatim has transmitted this from Ibn Abbas anhu Ibn Iblis Ismuhu Azazil. Iblis's name was Azazil. According to another version, his name was Harith. Harith essentially means uh, the caretaker, the guardian, right? And that's apparently what Azazil means as well in Hebrew. Ibn Jarir though, he has another transmission from Ibn Abbas عنه, who said that, Iblis was called Iblis though. So why was Azazil whatever called Iblis? Is because Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta-A'la made him hopeless of receiving any goodness, despondent from receiving all goodness. So that's why he's called Iblis. Ablasa, Iblas also reme- uh, has the meaning of despondency and hopelessness. So because he's been made in that way, the, the, he's been made hopeless from ever receiving mercy. That's why he's called Iblis. But another opinion is, that he's also the one who causes hopelessness in people and that's why he's called iblis as well that could be another opinion as well of course then you've got other disbelieving people mentioned in there is yajuj Ma'juj, which is gog and magog then you've got the ad you've got the thamud you've got the people of midian you've got the Quraysh, you've got the room mentioned there right in terms of people uh, peoples then you've got kaum Nuh, kaum lut Qawmu tubba right Komu ibrahim and ashabul Aika, now ashabul Aika, which is mentioned in the Quran, that refers to ashabul Medyan. That area was called Aika as well. Then you've got ashabul Ras. Ashabul Ras were Thamud. Ashabul Ras were the remnants of the people of Thamud. They're the ashabul Ras. Right? Uh, that's what Ibn Abbas said. Anhu said. Others say that no, ashabul ras are the Ashabu yasin, the those people who are mentioned in Surah Yasin. Another said that no, this actually refers to the Qawm of Shu'aib. So there's quite a difference of opinion as to who Ashab ras refers to. Some even saying that it refers to ashabul right? al-Ukhdood. In terms of the names of idols that are mentioned in the Quran, there's quite a few. There's Wad, Suwa', Yaghuth, yauq Nasr, and all of these are mentioned. These were all from these subhanallah. Th- these, these were all the ones that were there in the time of Nuh. And most of these are mentioned in the story of Nuh السلام, in Surah to Nuh. Then you've got the later ones, which were uh, by uh, you know, w- which were the ones that the people of Makkah used to worship. That's the Lat, Uzza, and Manat. Lat, Uzza, and Manat. They're the Asnam of the Quraysh. Some say that war rujz in surah mudaththir the rujz is also uh was also one of the idols but otherwise it just means filth then you have wal jibd right um some say that both of these were also idols right and there's other meanings for jibd and taghut as well then you've got the word baal baal was apparently the idol of the people of Ilyas السلام, and that's what's mentioned in there. There's a hadith in Bukhari from Ibn Abbas السلام, that Wad, Suwa, Yahuth, ya'uq Nasr were actually originally the names of righteous people from the people of Nuh. When they died, right? They, when they perished, Allah Subhanahu, uh, Sorry, the Shaitan um, came and whispered and started this idea among them that you need to put up some memories, some reminders, some memorials for them in the place that they used to stay, right? And then they call them by that name as well. That's how idol worship creeps in, right? You start putting up these statues and everything like that. So they did that, but they didn't used to worship them. It was just a memorial towards them. However, when these people went as well, eventually, uh, as they started getting further away, um, people like to do these weird celebrations and they like to you know celebrate weird things and everything so they started to be worshipped and that's how it crept in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best thereafter that, we've got the names of several places which are mentioned in the Quran for example there's bakkah which is mentioned which is actually just the old name of makkah then there's medina munawwara which was also called yathrib in the Quran but we they don't like the word yathrib to be used right because the Prophet sallallahu changed the name obviously he doesn't like the word Yathrib. Yathrib was actually called Yathrib because it's named after a person called Yathrib ibn Wa'il uh, who was from the Banu Iram ibn Sam ibn Nuh so from one of the grandchildren of Nuh a.s. he had to be obviously so that's how he was the first person to apparently establish himself or establish himself in this area which then became Yathrib. However the Prophet ﷺ is prohibited from using that name. And the, the, the reason is that the word Yathrib comes from the concept of Tharb. And Tharb means Fasad and Corruption. So you don't want to call a place a corrupt place, you know, with that name. Right? Badr is mentioned in the Quran, Uhud is mentioned in the Quran, Hunain is mentioned in the Qur'an, Jam' is mentioned Al-Mashar al-Haram is Muzdalifa. Then there's Misr obviously. there's Babil, um, Aika. And so on: Ahkaf, Hijr, Turi, Saina, Judi, Tua. We don't have time to go into this. I want to mention the other part of the other section before, uh, because I think that's very relevant. Now, I want to move on to the next section. Anyway, if you wanted more information about the various different names and everything, you'll find it in the Itqan of Suyuti and the other books on the other deeper books on Ulum al-Quran as well. Now, let us move into a few uh, few things about the Khawasul Quran. Okay, the khawasul Qur'an. And that means the very specific properties and characteristics and effects of the Qur'an. Uh, Again, there are Imam Ghazali has written a book on this subject. Uh, Tamimi has written a book on this subject. Yafi'i, and so on, right? Uh, Certain benefits from the Qur'an. If you read this this many times, this will happen. If you read this, those are called khawasul Qur'an, the specific benefits of the Qur'an, the secrets that they found. Most of it is... There's some hadith about it which I'm going to quote to you, but a lot of the other stuff that you will hear that if you read this verse this many times, uh, you know, you get prosperity. If you read this verse, then you get a male offspring. If you read this, you get a female offspring. If you read this, you, ha- you know, there's ease in your labor. If you do this, your difficulties go away. If you read these verses, then you get tranquility. For example, it's related from Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, rahimahullah. Uh, his, his student Ibn Qayyim relates from him that whenever he was in some kind of what they say, Pareshani, Right? When he had some kind of anxiety about something, he would recite the five or six verses in the Quran uh, that contained the word Sakina and that would give him tranquility, that would give him comfort and ease and uh, uh, it would make him relax. So. Uh, if somebody's found some benefit like because the Quran is a Shifa, we've got the general hadith regarding that, you can't call that a bid'ah. The only time it'll be called a bid'ah is that if you were insisting that this is from the Quran and Sunnah, like directly that the Prophet ﷺ said this. By the way, even people like Ibn Taymiyyah who a lot of uh, bid'ah bangers, right, who constantly call everything bid'ah, you know, refer and revere, even he used to uh, do that. He wasn't even as strict as, uh, as this kind of stuff that people today just uh, very blindly say things like this. So... Let us move on. Firstly, the hadith that Ibn Majah has reported from Abdullah ibn Masood He, he said, Alaykum bil uh, You should, you should uh, use the two cures. <laughs> you should hold on to the two cures. Al asal al-Qur'an, honey and the Quran itself. So don't just use honey, but use the Quran, right? And uh, we'll clarify that a bit more. Um, Ibn Majah is also transmitted from Ali radiallahu anhu, Dawa'i al Quran. One of the best medicines is the Quran, right? Especially for spiritual issues, especially for anxiety issues. The Quran is there for that and it works, right? Then Abu Ubaid has related from Talha ibn Musarrif that it it used to be said before, and this was people's experience, that if the Quran was recited by a sick person who's like in some a lot of pain difficulty then he would actually, uh, his pain would be, uh, would be relaxed uh, for him. Imam Bayhaqi then has related in the shu'abul iman from Wathila ibn al-Asqa radiallahu anhu that a person complained to the Prophet sallallahu about a sore throat, about a pain in his throat. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Quran, go and recite the Quran for a sore throat not for, I'm not saying it's a sore throat, there was a pain in his throat, whatever kind of pain that was, he said, recite the Quran. Ibn Mardaway or Ibn Marduya, right, as related from Abu Sa'id al Khudri radiallahu anhu, that a man came to the Prophet and said, I've got a pain in my chest. He said, recite the Quran. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Quran is, in Surah Yunus verse 57, Shifa'un lima fi sudur. The Quran is a cure for that which is in the hearts. Now, generally, that's taken as, you know, the, the ills in the hearts and everything like that. But of course, if you've got another pain in the heart, you know, why not use the Qur'an to benefit from? Imam Bayhaqi has related hadith from Abdullah ibn Jabir that in the Fatiha al right, which is Surah al-Fatiha, is Shifa from every kind of um, every kind of sickness. It has to be read with some kind of conviction. Jabir ibn Abdullah relates that Fatiha is the Shifa of everything except death. Then Imam Bukhari has also transmitted that once we were traveling, right, once we were on a journey and we stopped at a place and there was this young girl that came along, right, from the close by area maybe, and she said, uh, This tribe here, you know, you're camped outside, uh, this tribe, the person there, he's been bitten, right, he's in a lot of pain. Do any of you know how to do ruqya, right? Uh, know these uh, these chants um, to read something. So uh, one of the one of the one of our group, he went with her uh, and he read Surah Al fatiha and mashallah, he became better. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when they told him about it, he said, "How did he know that that's a ruqya Right. In fact, there's a narration in Tabarani uh, from Sa'ib ibn Yazid who said that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, sought protection for me, with Suratul Fatiha. Taflan, which I'm assuming means uh, by uh, lightly blowing and spitting, like you read the fatihah like that, and that is related from Imam Tabarani. Then you have Imam Bazzar's narration from Anas anhu that when you place your side upon your bed and you recite the Fatihatul kitab so when you get to bed and you go on your side first, you already start with your right hand side and then you read Surah Al-Fatiha then you read, Kul Allahu Ahad. You will be protected from every evil, from everything except death. Imam Muslim has a narration, now this is Sahih narrations from Abu Huray radiallahu anhu that the house in which Surah Al-Baqarah is recited, Shaitan cannot enter it. Now the easiest way to, I mean it's quite a daunting task to recite Surah al-Baqarah every day, right? But the idea is that if you just, if, if people can just read 10 verses of Surat al-Baqarah every day as a regular thing, like one person in the house read at least 10 verses, then inshallah will remain protected. Now there's a more, a longer narration in which Abdullah ibn Ahmad has re- transmitted in the Zawaid al-Musnad, in the addendum of the Musnad of Ahmad from Ubay ibn Ka'b Allahu anhu, he says that once we were the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and a desert Arab came along, a Bedouin, and he said, oh Prophet of Allah, I've got a brother and he's got a lot of pain. So he said, what is his pain? So he says that he's, it looks like he's bewitched, right? He's got nazar or he's got one of those kind of, um, you can say, uh, those kind of psychological issues that are, you know, come about because of these things. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, okay, bring him along. So he brought him along and he put him in front of him. So the Prophet ﷺ, uh, you can say, blew on him, made a dua for him, right, with the following. The Fatiha, the four verses of the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, and then wa ilahukum wahid that verse, and Ayatul-Kursi, then the last three verses of Surah Al-Baqarah and the first ver- and the verse of surah ali imran Shahid Allah annahu la ilaha which is verse 18 and then suratul a'raf in uh, verse 54 inna rabbakumullahu alladhi khalaqas and that one then the last verse of suratul mu'minun fata'ala allahul malikul haq Verse one sixteen, the a verse from suratul jin which is wa ta'ala walada verse 3 10 verses from the beginning of suratul safat 3 verses from the end of Suratul Al-Hashar and then Allahu ahad. A'udhu a'udhu and the guy got up and it was as if he had no problem anymore. right? So this is very bad. I think this is what they call the Manzil right? which is found if you do a search online you'll probably find all of this. Thereafter that we got the Hadith in Sahih Al-Bukhari that a jinn told Abu him that when you get to your bed at night then recite the Ayatul Kursi if you recite it, then you will have a protection uh, for you, right? Remaining constantly with you uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will provide a protector from you. And shaitan will not be able to get co- uh, close to you until you enter the morning. So the Prophet sallallahu even confirmed that. And he said, yes, he's told you the truth, but he's a liar. So it was the shaitan who told him. Now shaitan will obviously know because shaitan knows when he can't go in, when ayatul kursi is being recited or has been recited. In fact, there's another hadith which I found really, really inspiring from Abdullah ibn Masood Allahu anhu. A person said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, teach me something that I can benefit from. So the Prophet said, recite Ayatul Kursi. It will protect you and your progeny. And it will protect your home. In fact, not just your home, but also the homes around your home. We need people to recite Ayatul Kursi. Constantly. According to another version, I'm not sure how strong this narration is, though. Um, I think it might be weak, but it's an interesting narration. Whoever recites Ayatul Kursi at a difficulty, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will relieve them. Now, there are numerous other narrations. Imam, I'll just mention one or one or two more. We don't. Uh, I just wanted to introduce you to this discussion. Imam Darimi has a narration from Muhira ibn Subayy, who is one of the companions of Abdullah ibn Masood. he says that whoever recites 10 verses of surah al-baqarah when going to sleep he will never forget the quran which four verses of surah, sorry which 10 verses of surah al-baqarah the first four verses alif lam mim al kitab al fi al muttaqin then ayatul kursi and then the two ayats, the two verses after Ayatul Kursi and the last three verses of Suratul Baqarah and and so on. right? Now these are all the ones that are, I mean, there's so many more that are directly related in various different hadith, maybe some of these hadith are weak or whatever the case is, but they're, they're mentioned there. And then there's also lots from experience. We don't have the time, but I just wanted to ex- show you the medical uh, or you can say the therapeutic aspect of the Quran. I wanted to show you that as well. So I think that ends the discourse for us. There's a few questions that I have which I want to uh, I will try to uh, take here inshallah and then we uh can inshallah call it a day. Firstly, there's a question about the qira'at. Now, these are quite complicated questions and I thought I had answered quite a few of these, but I'm going to clarify them again. I don't I'm not an expert yet um on the seven qira'at so maybe somebody can give a better answer but this is what i have so far right without having had time to research it in depth uh, because uh, it's been quite busy how is it possible for all the qira'at to be incorporated into uthman r.a.'s mushaf if the different qira'at included omissions of words and even different words altogether right so i think i answered this one and one of the um, you know the, the way that's understood is that when he sent the se- the several different mushafs out to the various different places it seemed like you know they were written by different people and that's why there's slight differences between them and it looks like one of the reasons for that is he incorporated some of the qiraat in some and the others in the other so when we say that he wrote it in a way that all the qiraat that said what they say aghalaban like dominantly speaking however where it's another word that's going to have to be replaced right if it's the other word in the other qiraat right from, but that could be in another master copy that he sent and now that we uh, that they were then transmitted down, we have those different and that's where you got the seven Ahruf of the Qiraat from as well. Okay. Now, a lot of these questions are actually related to whether the seven Ahruf relate to the seven Qiraat. Now, as I said, there are one opinion, um, that's one opinion and there's the other opinion and it's very difficult to give a satisfactory answer from both sides and that is probably what has led others to take the other opinion when they can't reconcile it with this way. That's what you're going to get. So I don't know if I can give you satisfactory answers, but I'll try. Under the opinion that the seven Qiraat are not the seven Ahrufs, so they're supposed to be two separate things. Did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi ever discuss the seven Qiraat? If no, it just seems far-fetched that the Prophet ﷺ would not have spoken about the seven Qiraat or that the companions would not have noticed and pointed out in between the seven Qiraat and the they did point it out, they heard it. And then when the Prophet, I mean, I mentioned several verses, I don't think they sat and said, okay, you can read it this way and you can read it this way. He didn't teach it like that to everybody. He, he didn't want to confuse people, that's what I think. So he, didn't, he wouldn't teach you one or two or three or four different ways and say, you can read it all of these ways. But when he would speak to the other tribes, he would teach it to them in in their way. Then when those people would compare notes or listen to one another, they would have a confusion then that is when Umar for example and then Ubay ibn Ka'ab and others they would bring them to the Prophet and said, what's going on here? You taught us it this way. This is the Quran. We never knew it was another way. So it looks like the Sahaba did not know that it was done in another way first. That's why they, they had this issue right and it doesn't it doesn't seem like there was it became such a popular idea at the beginning either right it seems like and this is just my speculation and that is why they would bring him and the Prophet said validate both say yes that's right and that's right so that would be a discussion you would say but not in the earlier sense where he would be teaching them all in you know several different kiraat or more than one kiraat at once only as a validation of each of those qira'at Okay. Number three, under the opinion that seven Qira'at are the seven Ahruf then and that Uthman burnt all the other copies to have one Ahruf of the Qur'an, then how um, Then how do we get effectively seven Ahruf of the Qur'an? Um, so the, the, the only thing we need to respond, if we go by the opinion in this case that the seven Ahruf are the seven Qira'at, then what did he burn? Well, what he burnt was all, uh, and I, I think I explained this in detail. It was the way things had been written. He could have <clears throat> it, um from what I recall, from what I recall, but it's eluding me right now, it was um maybe not written in the way that he wanted it to be written, in a way that incorporates maybe it was written in one particular way, right, which wouldn't allow the other ways to be recited, right? That seems to be likely for me that that is what he did. I'll have to check it up again. I know this has been but I didn't pay attention fully because it was Ramadan. I didn't have the time to go into it in depth. But as I said, that would be one simple reason for why that would be the case, that they had all written it according to their way of reading. And uh, Usman, according to this committee, he decides to do it according to this one way. And he said, just look, everybody remove theirs. As I mentioned, some people, they burnt their copies. Some people disposed them in different ways. Others, they amended them. Right, and the reason for that amendation is clear that now this is the way. Let's write it this way so you can incorporate all seven Qiraat. I think that makes sense to me personally, that makes sense to me according to that view, if I held that view. And you mentioned the Quran is written ways according to the different Qiraat, written in different ways according to the different Qiraat. How do you reconcile with the fact that Osman has preserved only one script of the Quran? Um, I think it's simple that he preserved one script of the Quran that was incorporated everything however because there were some where one word would be different in another kirat, he he allowed that to be written in one of the versions we don't know for sure because we don't have the seven master copies or the eight master copies in front of us to make that kind of a uh, that kind of a uh, research An analysis on it. But this is what it seems to be that in order to preserve all of them in some he incorporated uh, some sense and the others he incorporated the other modes of recitation. Right. But in most of them, it was all of them that could be recited because as I said, most of them, there's no change of word, right? Or the word change is one that the skeletal form can accommodate. You know, for for a person, you know, uh, with these questions, I would really, really suggest that you read this book. Because is really, really well researched and it will provide you a lot more answers. I've not read the full book yet, I just got this before Ramadan. Not been able to read, I've just read chapters of it, but it's very promising in terms of inshallah it will help to answer a lot of the questions. And maybe in the future, I can um, uh, do a more detailed discussion on Sab'at Ahruf, inshallah, in particular, right? Taking all of these additions, but I think inshallah for now that should be sufficient. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bless us with the Quran. Let's just make a quick dua to end our discussion. Allahumma Anta salam wa min kusalam tabarak ta al Jalalih walikaram. Allahumma ya Hayyu ya Qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya Hanna ya Manan la ilaha illa anta Subhanaka innaka min al zalimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala syyidina Muhammad wa ala ali syyidina Muhammadi wa barikasallim. Ya Allah have mercy upon us. Ya Allah keep us with the Quran. Have mercy on this ummah. Oh Allah O oh Allah, have mercy on this Ummah, have mercy on our places of worship, especially on the Masjid Al-Aqsa, Makkah Mukarramah, Medina Munawwara, Masjid Al-Nabawi, Masjid Al-Haram. O oh Allah, bless and protect all of these places. O oh Allah, allow us to do what is beneficial and useful. And O oh Allah, allow us to stay with the Qur'an, to be blessed with the Qur'an, to live by the Qur'an, to be raised by the Qur'an, to be honoured by the Qur'an. Allow us also to honour the Qur'an, to respect the Qur'an, to revere the Qur'an to understand the Qur'an. Uh, O Allah, teach us the Tajweed of the Qur'an. O Allah, allow us to recite it correctly. Allow us to be the best of people who always hold to the Qur'an and then who study the Qur'an, who teach it. Allow allow us to elevate ourselves in the hereafter with the Qur'an. Make us the nation of the Qur'an as we're supposed to be. O Allah, accept these classes. O Allah, accept these sessions, this series. Accept from all of those who sat here and who encouraged this and who benefited from this. O oh Allah, make us benefit from this and allow this just to be the starting point of many, many, many services to the Qur'an and the Qur'an uh, becoming part of our life. O oh Allah, allow us to do much more for the Qur'an. Accept this and forgive our mistakes. O oh Allah, accept this and forgive our mistakes. Make it a source of guidance for us and blessing for us all. Oh Allah, accept our du'a. Subh'ana rabbika rabbil amma yasifun. Wa salamu wa rabbil alameen the main question um as a parting question that people had was wh- what now so firstly i would say a few things number 1 um th- i i spoke to somebody the other day right mashallah decent muslim brother and everything He says he's never completed the quran yet from cover to cover right he had some bad experiences in a young age and it's just and now he wants to do it mashallah his sons are becoming hafiz of the quran right but he's never completed so i would say Pick up the Qur'an and start reading the Qur'an, even if it's difficult for you to read it. Find a teacher, and inshallah you'll get double the reward if you make a s- extra effort. So you need to learn how to recite the Qur'an. We need to improve our tajweed of the Qur'an, read it correctly. Then I think the next level has to be that we need to start understanding the Qur'an. Right? And just pick up a page and just read it. Just, just have a translation. Make sure you've got access to a translation. right? Make sure you've got access to a translation and uh, that you recite uh, and that you reflect over it and then of course there's the level of memorizing more of the quran than just a few of the surahs memorizing more i would suggest you go and you check uh, the 30-day tafsir that we did right the links will be placed below inshallah and then you get your own tafsir and you read from the tafsir and you um thereafter that in any way shape or form if there's people who don't have Qurans try to get a Quran copy to them encourage people to read the Quran make sure that we don't ignore the Quran in our homes Uh, if there's projects related to the Quran you know donate to those projects encourage those projects, assist in those projects of distribution of the Quran preparing Quran Tafsir, or any books related to the Quran right uh, buying Qurans and placing them in places, giving them to people, that's a huge thing. There's lots of co- uh, people who want to convert to Islam or interested in Islam. They want, you know, again, for them, you you can do that as well. There's so many other things, mashallah. There's so many other things that you can do. Please pray for us as well. We're actually preparing our uh, Asian subcontinent edition of the Qur'an, but with the Medinan script. Alhamdulillah, it's mostly ready. And we aim to, inshallah, publish that separately very soon. That script, we've already published it as part of the Noble Quran of Mufti Taq-i Uthmani's translation, which has been published, and uh, in two editions. One is the large, uh, deluxe, limited time edition. It's just a, you know, few hundred copies I think left, right, from the thousand or so that were published. And then they, uh, they also, mashallah, published Turath, Also published a, a smaller version of it, right, uh, for very cheap, uh, very low price and uh mashallah so that the script people have really found it very elegant so inshallah we hope to use a similar script to that inshallah in this new edition inshallah so please pray for us as well and we pray for all of those who are working on the quran uh on different services of the quran that allah bless them and allow us to be of more service to the quran as well JazakAllah khair. until next time you know inshallah i'd love your ideas and suggestions for what to cover next Ramadan, we can always be prepared inshallah I've got a few ideas, but I'd love to hear from you. And uh, inshallah we'll see you again soon. Uh, Allah, bless your Eids, bless your Ramadans, and accept from there and give you the greatest reward for your worships in Ramadan, under-persecuted, and under-attack in different places as well. assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala b- uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, As they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.